This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to Advanced Base Camp. But what we're doing is our intention is that you go to a completely another level of life, of leadership, of intentionality. And we're really just your guides. That's all we are. We're just Sherpas. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. And as always, my good friend and business partner, Steve Cockrum. Steve, how are things in London today? Well, it's always good to reach five o'clock because that's gin and tonic time here in the Queen's own country. So I know you're probably still doing some work if you're not still lying on a beach in Hawaii, but I've got a gin and tonic. So this is going to be a great podcast. Oh, wow. Interesting. This will be dangerous. Now, for, for those who don't know, that's, that's normal in, in the UK where it may not be seen as normal in the US. Is that true? <laughs> That's true. Let's just assume that we, we have no issue with alcohol, but we have a big issue with guns. And in my experience, American is completely the opposite. So, you know, you get your, your guns out and everyone in England just thinks it's horrendous. And uh, we get a gin and tonic out and at least half the South of America are now assuming that basically we, we've now literally capitulated to the demonic forces of uh, <laughs> alcoholism. So, so now, now do you have a, what happens if you have a G, G and T? A gun with a gin and tonic. What does that make you? That usually makes you dangerous, or in this part of the world, arrested, <laughs> because nobody, no, nobody is allowed to carry a gun. Let's just say that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, um, I will say that in Hawaii last week, we had a lot of shaved ice, and I got addicted to that at five o'clock every day. At four o'clock, it was the shaved ice. <laughs> All I can say is we all so loved your daily updates of pictures from the beast with your shaved ice. It was like, you know, I reckon you lose 100 friends through Facebook envy every time you go on a hot vacation. So, you know, anyway, you know, it's good to, it's good to, to know yourself to lead yourself, Jeremy. That's what I've I'll got say. to keep my, my parents uh, updated <laughs> of what we're doing. So, uh, <laughs> no, we did have a big week, though, last week. Uh, for those who don't know it, we uh, we launched our next book the latest book the five voices and it was a great it is a great book and it's a great launch when we say launch i mean it's basically a start of it probably the next 10 years of being really really helpful if not longer of a resource that teams can use and so so grateful for our partnership with wiley and uh, we've, we've just um, really excited to see the impact that's going to have over time but uh, Steve, have you got, and I know it's coming out officially in April, I believe, in the UK. Yes, April the 6th. But for some reason, a lot of people seem to have got their hands on it. And uh, the overriding reaction has been, once again, of utter surprise that you and I would create such a great resource. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know whether that's just English cynicism, but the number of people who have written to me going, do you know, this is actually really, really good. And uh, <laughs> one of our dear friends, who's the CEO of one of the companies we work with, called John Cottrell, who's an INTP creative pioneer, for those of you who understand voices, basically wrote to me and said, it hangs together well, which basically in INTP speak means it's one of the best books I've read this year, and it's absolutely amazing. So I've been ribbing him. There's no chance he'll be listening, but I suspect some of the Indava crowd around Central Eastern Europe will be reading this. So whenever you meet John, just say, I think it hangs together well, John, and he will be super <laughs> embarrassed. So that's perfect. Well, I had the same thing happen today on Five Gears. I was speaking to an executive women's group, and the, the host knows me well. She said, you know, I, I read your book, and no offense, but this was actually good. I, I just wasn't anticipating it. You know. All right. Well, that's, 
self-loathing and promotion all at, at the same time. There you, so, go. there you go. Good. All right. Well, let's get into today's podcast. The topic of today's podcast is professional wrestling. Is it good and real? <laughs> no, wait. That's not the topic. The topic is Five Voices Part 2. We're going to actually talk about knowing yourself to lead your team. And it's not it's not enough to just know yourself to lead yourself, which, by the way, most leader development is kind of focused on on the individual, which the, the person, which is really good because if you can lead yourself, that's that's a major um, uh, start. But what we're after today is actually how do you translate this? How does it actually practically affect those that you lead and those on your team? Um, and so know yourself to lead your team, five voices, part two. Steve, why don't you start us off with um, just sharing the overview of reminding us of the voices and what the voices are. There's five voices. To give us an overview. Great. So remember, you all, we all speak a leadership voice that's really made up of a kind of mix of all five. Some of them are more natural for us than others. Um, most of the time there's one or two voices which really dominate what people hear. So here's the five, and hopefully last time you chose some of your order for there, but the nurturer voice, nurturers champion relationships, values, people. Uh, they act as that oil inside the complex dynamics of team relationships, always putting others before themselves, always sensitive to the needs of others, always assuming that someone should be doing something that they're doing. Uh, and always underestimate their leadership capacity and potential. So guardians, the guardian voice is the champion of systems, tradition, money, resources. They're always asking the difficult questions, the due diligence, is it true, is it safe? Are we gonna do something which is gonna, we're gonna regret later? So that's what the guardian voice brings. Then we have the creative voice and they're the champions of future orientated ideas organizational integrity, social conscience, alignment, integrity are huge issues for creatives. And they're the, they're the ones who see the future first. They see both the opportunity and also the risks and the dangers, um, but often struggle to be understood first time. And then we have the connectors, which I'm sure Jeremy, you'll be very familiar with. Uh, the champion of relational networks, external messaging, internal collaboration. So basically the connectors are always communicating what they're passionate about. They're always connecting people and ideas and whatever they truly believe in, uh, they will be talking about it just about wherever they go. And then lastly, we have the pioneer voice, which is the champion of strategic vision, problem solving, tough decisions, always driving as it were to align people, systems, resources to achieve the biggest possible win very competitive characters. So there's the five voices. And I think, you know, you'll remember from last time that we all have a voice order. So I'm a pioneer, connector, creative, guardian, nurturer, which means most people hear a lot of the pioneer connector. And the ones that I've struggled most with in my life is that guardian systems details. And the last one, nurturers, how to be caring, compassionate, empathetic, concern for others. Obviously, Jeremy, I've made a lot of progress in those areas over the years, haven't I? Oh, amazing progress actually but it, but it was a low bar to start with <laughs> <laughs> well and, and i'm a connector um creative uh, pioneer and then a, a nurturer and guardian and so it's really hard for me to to go into the detail and go through the grunt work of all the systems and all the things that need to get done 
uh, unless there's stress or a deadline or what have you, and I have to do it. I've learned how to do it a little bit. But um, what I've what I've learned from the voices specifically is that I'm uh, I know I'm a connector. I know I've got a creative, but I've got this um, uh, maybe my my skills nurturing my history to be able to get things done and to get things accomplished. So they're not just ideas; but they actually have happened. But in that process, I realize I'm just so future oriented that I have a hard time being present oriented. So I'm not thinking about today. I'm always thinking about tomorrow. So that's a problem when it comes to leading an organization. And in my past, I've always had an issue with people understanding me because I had these big ideas that were in the future, but I couldn't make them palatable about how to actually uh, build the bridge, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And how, to, how do I get people to see the vision that I see in my head and to go to this promised land uh, <laughs> that I want to go to tomorrow um, and when they're dealing with issues today, which is part of the, the problem is first and foremost, most people don't understand what it sounds like to be on the other side of them. What the five voices does is it actually helps you know what your voice order is and what your natural tendencies are. So you can then begin to lead yourself to go, Oh, that's me. I have a tendency to do X, Y, or Z. Then once you know that, then if you understand the voice of those you're leading, and what their tendencies are, then you can begin to translate or at least maybe get someone to help you speak uh, into their world, which again, we'll be talking about uh, a bit. So um, let's jump into some case studies here, Steve. Let's talk about a couple of, of examples. Can you, can you think of one uh, in particular that would be really applicable to, to the audience? Well, whether it be applicable to the audience, uh, I'll find out later. But I think one of the most interesting teams I worked with was um, almost all of the team were creatives and pioneers. So they were either creative pioneers or pioneer creatives. And they were leading a large organization of, you know, a couple of thousand people. And because of this creative internal understanding, the external communication of that team was incredibly weak. And because they were all thinkers as well, it meant not only was the little external um, communication that was heard, there was also very little affirmation and encouragement because of course in a INT culture or that pioneer creative culture, basically the, the way you know you're doing well is that you don't get told anything. If there was a problem, they would come to you. So we had people who were reporting into this team and some of the leaders who were actually as kind of uh, feelers or relational people assuming that, th that everything had gone so wrong that really they were just waiting for them to resign. There was no external encouragement, no external affirmation and very little nurturer. So none of them spoke nurturer other than the fourth or fifth voice, which basically meant strategically they were making great decisions but there was a huge gap in their understanding of how those strategic decisions was going to be received by the rest of the organization. So effectively, 43%, if you count the Guardian, 73% of people were not represented in their decision-making function. And, and the, the ramifications of that are huge. They don't Absolutely. understand that, right? Yes. So I, I've got a group that I've been working with um, in, in uh, a really interesting season of life and they've got an executive team and what we realized is uh, most of the, the executive team was made up of pioneers and guardians and there was no there was only one nurturer but the nurturer 
uh, happened to lead three-fourths of the people. He oversaw most of the people. And all the people like this person because he's always for them, right? And it, he, they feel it. But they were lacking um, really the connector. They have one creative, um, but they were lacking the, the connector in the creative future-oriented uh, version. So what, what's taken place is their aha of their decision-making. And they look back through the decisions they've made and realize the void that they've only had one person fighting for the people and they felt like he was a protector when he's not really a protector. He's just championing people. Uh, and because they're not thinking that way, they were thinking strategy and systems and not thinking much about vision, not thinking about how it translates to people. So again, just a couple of case studies and examples to go, this is real world realities. There are teams everywhere and each team is made up of voices. If you all have the same voice, you're going to miss a massive part of the organization because the the, the leaders make up the future. They're the, they're the visionaries of the future. They define the culture. And most people define the culture on their own terms based on what they know. And statistically, of course, the most of the senior teams we've worked with are not representative of the wider population. So I don't know about you, Jeremy, but the more corporate, the more business orientated the environment, by the time you reach the exact level, there are almost never any nurturer voices. There are a lot of pioneer voices. And interestingly, the connectors are either usually running their own business or they've annoyed everyone on the way up. So you end up with this very strong pioneer creative sense in the, in the senior teams. But they've all learned to do Guardian to some degree. But you don't have that relational connector, nurturer environment. And it's just really important. Remember the statistics from last time. Nurturers make up 43% of the population. And it's amazing how many times that voice is not represented. Guardians, 30%. Creatives, only nine. Connectors, 11. And pioneers, seven. And it's really interesting when you look at what is the voice representation in your team, you'll usually find the further up you go, the more unrepresentative it becomes of the wider population and the wider people inside the organization. Well, and, and it, it makes sense on one hand, you go, well, if you're bored, uh, who, which, which voice do you want representing and leading the company mm. into the future? Well, you want a future-oriented person and you want someone who's gonna win. So mm. I was just in this, this <laughs> yes. executive women's group and uh, this one lady, she's a pioneer, mm. and uh, I was talking with her and she's, I said, so what do you like to do to recharge? I was talking about the five gears and she says, I like to win. <laughs> she goes so she competes she does marathons she does all types of events that's her recharge so mm. she's constantly winning well if i'm a if i'm a uh, board that's mm. attractive i want to win right so how do you how do you handle that then steve's so like mm. if if uh 7% of the population are are pioneers but it's got to be over 50% of mm. CEOs that are pioneers um, yes, I'd say so. And I think the most important thing to say is this, is you, you don't have to have every foundational voice represented in the team to go, oh my goodness, we're going to be an awful team. We've got no foot, no nurturers. Or I think it's the awareness of what's missing and being prepared to invite into the discussions people who are trusted by maybe the senior team 
to bring that voice in and to make sure it's referenced. So we, we often talk about, you know, in the presentations that the book, the questions that each voice is asking when they come to the team. And one of the things we'd encourage you to do from the book is to simply start to learn what questions do the voice that is not represented. So, you know, because nurture for me is hard work, nurture is always going to ask the questions like, who's going to be most upset about this? <laughs> Who, who's going to hate this the most? Have we really thought it through? What are the implications for people? Are we going to violate values that we aren't aware of? So I'll often use the questions of the voices that I struggle most to access and simply learn the questions they would ask or even better, invite the wisdom and insight of someone who speaks that as a foundational voice because they will always give you a different perspective than the one you had. So it's learning how to where to get inputs and not being arrogant, which most pioneers are, by the way, in assuming that, well, you know, I, I pretty know, I pretty much know what they're going to say anyway, so I won't bother. Or if I challenge them, they don't say anything anyway. It's about creating the environment where each voice feels truly safe and empowered to bring their best to the team. So it's a nice segue into yeah, rules so, of engagement for you, Jeremy. Yeah. So um, let's talk about this. Most organizations, if you think about uh, teams of people, they have team meetings. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's weekly, once a month, I know some teams that don't meet very well, some meet all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's usually a, kind of a rhyme and, and, and reason in the flow of how it goes. So let's just take a company that has a founder, okay? It's a founder of whether it's a, it's a, it's a small startup or it's a, it's a CEO of some sort and they've, they've grown. What typically happens is that that founder usually is a pioneer doesn't have to be all the time but that founder will lead and they'll think they have to lead everything so they'll lead the meeting they're like all right here we go so i guess what i'm saying is someone's going to lead a meeting and it's usually the boss or the person with the title mm -hmm. whether whether they earn the respect or not they they have the title so they do it and what happens is typically they'll go around the room okay here's the agenda or talking through things and any ideas any thoughts and then the leader will use their voice and their voice will be the loudest either by their actual voice type or by their authority or title. And typically they shut people down. So the meetings are not very productive. Uh, they're not very engaging and people usually have to put up with it. Just make it through and hope that, that you don't get pounded or blown up in the process. So walk us through from the voice order, Steve. What's the idea? We call it rules of engagement. So to those that are listening, walk us through um, what rules of engagement should look like as it comes to meetings. Yeah, that's great, Jeremy. Um, so here's what we say is that if you know what the foundational voices are of your team, you can create an intentional environment where everyone gets to bring their best. So we always say nurturers go first. Now, nurturers can have the veto and say, I don't want to speak. But what we're really saying to the nurturers, is you go first before other people have put ideas out there because the nurturer by nature desires relational harmony and struggles sometimes to challenge or disagree with opinions that are already in the room. And because their weapon system is a medic kit, they don't necessarily like fighting either. So rules of engagement, nurturers go first. And here's the two rules that you have to do. Nurturers, we want to hear your opinion. You represent 43% of people. You bring a perspective which is invaluable to the decision-making process of this team. And this, we need to hear it and empower you to do it. 
And the other thing is, no one is going to critique your input until everyone else around the team has shared. So one of the nurturer's biggest fears is they will say something, and some of those, uh, shall we say, more competitive voices with grenade launchers, sniper rifles, or interrogation chambers will literally take them out immediately, and they go, well, I don't, I don't really want to play that game. So there's the tool rules of engagement for nurturers. We want to hear what it is you've got to say. You represent 43% of people, and no one is going to critique your input, however strange, before everyone else has shared. And that usually empowers them to talk. Any thoughts, Mark? Yeah, so say I'm a, I'm a pioneer guardian, okay, somewhere in that category. What you just said, it's kind of, that's all, that's a bunch of fluff, Steve. I mean, really, to be a champion of people, I mean, like, we've got work to do. Um, we've got, we've got a lot to accomplish, and if they don't understand that, then maybe they're on the wrong team. So how do you respond to that when you hear, because we hear that from mm -hmm. a lot of, of pioneers who think that that's just kind of fluffy, that's soft. Yes, uh, and I think kind of I probably was there before. So I think the I think the thing to ask people is go. So how how well is it going then? If you look back at your decision making and the performance of your team, how are you doing? And what I may even do is I may even do an anonymous survey, which we call the hundred X team diagnostic, which actually gets all the members of the team to basically comment on their experience of what we call the five key metrics of performance so synergy alignment relationships communication capacity and execution so getting to reality for arrogant pioneers or other voices we, we do a lot helping them get there because if they really don't understand that 43 percent of their people see the world through a completely different lens and what they bring is invaluable. That's one of the things I hope we've done with Five Voices is to really help everyone understand that each voice brings a unique contribution without which you will always squander both resources, time, and people. So that's my passionate defense for nurturers. Well, and, and I would make the case, um, and again, as a connector, future-oriented, you know, I used to have a silly moniker that I named myself the maker of happen, which was so arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> but just as a startup guy and start, you know, I created a lot of businesses. Well, um, my whole thought was progress. Let's make progress, progress, progress. What I started realizing was in leader development, and, and this was this came through um, Hunter, one of our team members, and it's just great. Said, leader development is not about P and L; it's a balance sheet issue. Is that you can either have your people are either a liability or an asset. If they're an asset, it will affect your P&L. If they're a liability, it will affect your P&L. So it, it, it is ultimately a P&L issue, but it has to be dealt with as a balance sheet issue. You've got to turn what could be a liability into an asset. And that's what I love about the five voices. That's what I love about our team and what we're doing across the globe is we're trying to help leaders think as liber liberators, people who can actually um, empower and create a culture of empowerment who can turn what could be a liability into an asset. So when you look at nurturers, nurturers can be an asset if you utilize them, but you got to speak their language. You've got to get into their world. You have to understand them. And when you do, you can take 43% of your employee base and turn them into raving fans versus maybe protecting or pull back or maybe even uh, anarchist. Uh, you know, if you get a nurtured, if you push them so far, 
they'll rebel. It takes a lot for them to rebel, but they'll at least put the brakes on. And so by eliminating that liability and turning it into an asset, not through manipulation, but through empowerment, that's one of the rules of engagement. And so what we're basically saying is nurturers start first. If you're leading a meeting, let the nurturer speak, give them room because what they're going to share, it, it may not be the creative, uh, unbelievable big idea, but it will give you an insight of how a key block of people are going to react to your ideas. So where does it go from there? So we say the next, next voice is the creatives. So we, we basically say to the creatives, here's your two rules of engagement. Um, we, we really want you to think outside the box. We don't need you to be safe. We don't need you to do due diligence. We want to use that creative, out-of-the-box, innovative thinking to create potentially game-changing ideas. And we know you're going to be wrong sometimes. It's really important the creatives know you don't have to be right every time because when you do get it right, we all win big time. And the second rule of engagement for creatives is this. We promise to ask clarifying questions. Every creative I know doesn't speak unless they've got something to say. So that's quite an important thing to understand. If the creative speaking out loud, they really do have a contribution, but their frustration and in many teams the frustration is what they actually say first bears very little resemblance to what they actually mean. So I'll often say to the creative, look, just keep talking. This is what I'm hearing you say right now. Is that what you're trying to communicate? And they go, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. So after two or three questions, what you'll find is the gold tends to come out and everyone goes, that's brilliant. Why didn't you say that first time? And the creative says, well, I thought I did, which is why the creative, if they're not in a team which understands how to be liberators for them, gets unbelievably frustrated because they've got these brilliant ideas and they can see danger, they see opportunity, but whenever they try and share it, no one seems to hear what they're saying. So creatives, think outside the box, dream, vision, big stuff, don't be safe, and we promise we'll help you get it out. And the, and the creatives, if you don't give them that opportunity, they become passive aggressive, they become cynics, mm. and they can ultimately, their weapons would be the Hulk, they can blow up, uh, or it's a sniper, they can take people out. And so for, for us, um, in our partnership and our team, uh, creative is my second voice. Steve, you've done a great job, and especially after, since we've been working on the voices, mm. to help me pull out my um, uh, creative and help me understand and actually say, what are you trying to say? Keep talking. I think you might be onto something. Because mm -hmm. what it is, it's, it's kind of a future-oriented idea of danger or mm -hmm. opportunity. And when you have a safe place and you have a safe landing, knowing that you have the freedom to get it out without pressure of deadline um, mm -hmm. or, or some um, you know, task-driven machine, you have to produce something. It, it's an unbelievable gift, as you were saying. So again, the nurturers and then creatives to allow them to, to get their ideas out is massive, especially, now this is what I think most uh, traditional leaders don't understand, especially if they're pioneers, um, to take the time to do what you just said. It takes patience, and it takes wisdom. And you have to value that person and go, okay, I see there's something in them. They might drive you nuts because they may talk forever. And you're like, I have no idea what you just said. So again, most people just move and shut them down because of task and time. But by what you just said, if you can pull it out of them, there is gold in there. And when that gold, it could be a game-changing strategic shift. It could be a massive warning. 
They'll save you money and make you money if you'll learn how to, to, to work with them. Yeah, it's good. I mean, Jeremy's favorite words are um, the number of times we've ended up sort of moving in a particular direction. I realized you'd hinted at it with your creative second voice a year before. And in some ways, I think, you know, you go, gosh, you were right again. It was just you didn't know how right or how to express it. And I think one of my attempts, and I'm glad you appreciate it, is to go, if you're talking, I'm assuming that it's how do I help you get it out? Because in some ways, it's been incredibly valuable. And I think most pioneers don't understand how to empower the creatives because their default with their grenade launcher is to basically shoot the irrationality of what they hear first. So if you have a weapon system which is deadly, it's amazing how many times the creator gets shot before they get a chance to be asked a clarifying question. So that's yeah. a personal journey. And could you say that one more time, that, that one phrase you said that I, I was what? Jeremy, you were usually right a year <laughs> ahead of when I realized you I'm were. I'm sorry, that, I was what? No, you were yeah. right. This is like a scene from Lewis Lit with uh, Harvey Specter. So, you know, if you've got the recorder on and I'm going to hear you doing this later, there's going to be a problem. But there we go. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to the next voice before it goes too soft and fluffy. Thank um, you. So what's next? Guardian. Guardian's a voice you will hear and they get to go third. And the, the rules of engagement for a Guardian are these. Please ask the difficult questions. Please do your due diligence. And it really takes the rest of the team to kind of, you know, go to the Guardian and say, look, we know yours is a really hard role because yours is never popular because all the other future voices are so excited about changing the world. You always seem like you're pouring cold water on the ideas. So the team has to go, look, we need you to do due diligence. Please ask as many questions as you need to. And we promise to stay engaged for as long as we possibly can. Now, we may not survive as long as the Guardian wants, but once the Guardian knows that their due diligence is truly valued, my experience, my experience is they end up asking less questions because they're not having to defend the validity of what they're doing. Because yeah. when we become defensive, they almost just keep asking the same question again, rather than actually allowing in some ways to go, we really need to hear this and we want you to do due diligence because we know how valuable it is. And, and the Guardian is, you know, their weapon is interrogation. So to your point, what I would say is the guardian's responsibility is if you can work on tone and tact while you do it, mm. uh, it really helps everyone else because everyone else may not understand. You, you may be right and wrong at the same time. Mm. So, uh, but to your point, we need to hear it. Uh, we had a guardian um, with Steve and I in the very beginning as we were forming and growing this division of Giant Giant Worldwide. And they basically, this guardian named Brandon, he... <laughs> really changed the trajectory of our business because he asked a really hard question and wouldn't let us get off of it until we answered it correctly. And it's what we needed. So it's invaluable if you know that they're for you and they know that you're for them, the guardian is so crucial. They're the ones that will keep you from losing money. They will keep you on track. And, and if you get the guardian and they know they're valued, like Steve was saying, they will make massive inroads because if they agree to something, everyone in the organization is watching that person. If Brandon says it's good, that means it's good because he's done the due diligence and everyone knows that. So if you're a pioneer who's just always driving, driving, driving and um, miss the key guardian or a key nurturer, then you're going to lose 70 plus percent of the employee base. 
And uh, while, as always, the pioneers get a rough, rough uh, trip with you, Jeremy, the connectors and the creatives often struggle more with the guardian voice than the pioneers do. Pioneers like a good fight and a good logical rationale. I've watched it's often the people who feel that it's a relational criticism, that somehow the critique of the idea is personal. They're the ones where they disconnect with the guardians and they dismiss the guardian in that place so good stuff um so connectors ready for connectors so here's the thing to connectors the thing they need to know is this is please sell your idea as passionately as you can so what we watch sometimes is connectors get so determined not to be a charismatic salesperson not to be accused of selling the latest thing they almost try and do the due diligence before they share their idea and I often say to the connectors, look, we've got plenty of people who can do due diligence better than you can. Guardian's not your strength. But come, if you believe it, if you can see an opportunity, you're much more likely to know what's going to connect with the wider world as a product, as an offering, or whatever it might be. And so, therefore, sell it for all you're worth. Make us cry if you need to. Bring in all of those incredible powers of persuasion, and we want you to give it your best shot. But the second one is this please know that when we critique your idea it's not personal and so therefore connectors you've got to realize that due diligence is not saying we don't love you or don't believe in you we've actually got to be able to critique it because it may not be now it may be for another time so there's the two really important rules of engagement for connectors no it's it's totally um, right on and as a connector what what i want um, if, when i'm in a group i just want to know that I'm in a safe place to be me. And mm. I always say this to our team, hey, when I'm me, it, we, we win, it's good. But what happens is it's, uh, it's an issue of insecurity and security. And if every time, because what Steve said earlier, because it, sometimes the connectors are tied to the, the relationship, their ideas are personal, then what happens is if you don't allow me to share my ideas, or at least I can't have a good banter about it, then I'll shut down. And I'll shut down when I shut down, then we miss the key strengths of a connector, which is the networks, uh, the strategic uh, connections, um, all, all those relationships. So it's really good. It's good. And last, which usually comes as a huge shock to pioneers, because you will be amazed, Pioneer Voice, how infrequently you contribute last in a team meeting. And so therefore, the rule of engagement for the pioneer is, listen to every other contribution first before you offer your opinion or your critique. Uh, we always find that the pioneers are usually the ones that have been thinking strategy because they do it for fun and a hobby. And so therefore they often come into the room and go, okay, this is what I think who disagrees, which basically closes everything down. When the pioneer goes last, it's amazing how many different insights and perspectives they'll hear that will never usually come out in a team. And the second rule of engagement is pioneers, beware the strength of your critique. Even when you think you're being nice and on your best behavior, it still sometimes feels unbelievably harsh and critical. And remember that you have a weapon system called a shoulder launch grenade, and there is no context in an indoor environment where a shoulder launch grenade in a team meeting ever leaves you uh, with a positive impact on the people around you. So it's almost like you have to put the safety on and you have to commit to listening first. Most people are happy for the pioneers to make final decisions, interestingly, but only if they truly believe everyone else has been heard, listened to, 
and not shot or destroyed in the team discussion process. One of our clients, um, it's really fun, funny, he had a conversation with one of our giants and he said, um, I, I don't understand why no one will tell me the truth. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I don't feel like they'll tell me what's real. I feel like they're always placating me. And what we realize is our giant was sitting in, in the meetings with them, Glenn, would you realize that you start every conversation and end every conversation and you don't give people space? So if you want the truth, then you've got to be able to listen. And by listening, that's where the rules of engagement comes in. It's a really mm -hmm. simple process. You're basically allowing other voices to speak and add their distinct view on the world. And by doing that, um, you'll, you'll get a lot more and you, you will hear the truth if the people know it's a safe place. But if you've spoken first, taken the lead, been a loud voice with a, a very strong opinions, you're not going to receive the truth. And what is funny is the connectors, why they're so loud and they'll shut people down is they, they're excited about their ideas and they're excited about connections. Uh, and so they'll, they'll talk about it. The pioneers aren't really excited about that. They're just trying to get things done and they're trying to, they're like generals and, and they're, they're trying to be efficient and effective and productive. So when you understand that about each dynamic, then you'll understand how to, to actually set up your team for success. So the rules of engagement are basically designed to have successful meetings and a successful uh, culture building exercise because you're giving voices the room to be free. You're, you're empowering them. It's creating a culture of empowerment. And we've watched this work over and over again, but it's so difficult because most of us are ingrained to have the same type of meeting. Who's the leader? How long is this gonna be? When, when you think of turning it from just a meeting of facts and tasks to, hey, I actually wanna hear perspectives, I wanna learn more about my people, then the rules of engagement are really, really helpful. And um, I, I mean, I think that, we often say there's no such thing as accidental synergy. In our experience, most teams function at about 50 to 60% of their capacity for the simple reason is they don't actually have the contribution of all the voices into their decision-making process. And it's been amazing what happens when you create an environment where everyone feels they can bring their best, where everyone is truly valued. And that's one of the things that I think Five Voices works really hard at, and we've really tried hard to say, I want you to look at the other voices that are not as easy for you and go, do you know, I truly respect their contribution and I want to not only value it, but create the opportunity where they can bring it at their best. And that makes a big difference. So, you know, um, you know, if you haven't, sorry, go on, Jess. No, I was going to say what, what we're in essence doing is we're actually helping uh, voices and build a bridge to the other voices. So we have a, a metaphor that we use. And so imagine on one side, uh, a, a really a landing like a canyon. And then the other side, you see an, a landing or the, or the top of the other piece of the canyon. And in between is this big valley. Well, you need to build a bridge. Um, you've got certain voices that are very comfortable with the future. In fact, the creatives, the pioneers, and the connectors, uh, they're future-oriented. So they are comfortable with ambiguity with things being vague, uh, they're comfortable with the startup, they're comfortable with not knowing all the facts because they know that they'll figure it out as they go. So they don't really need as much of a bridge. They'll, 
do whatever it takes. They'll, they'll swing on vines, they'll jump on rocks, they'll do whatever to get to the big vision because they're motivated by the vision. Whereas the guardians and nurturers generally, it's not that they don't like vision because they do like vision, but they want to make sure that the systems um, are in place. They want to make sure that the IT, the money, the, the infrastructure, they want to make sure the nurturers want to make sure that the people are taken care of. So if you've got a big idea and a grand idea uh, about the future, then the guardians and nurturers simply want to make sure that there's a bridge and that there's, we've thought about it because they all remember the last charismatic salesman who sold the last big venture and big idea and it didn't work like they promised and so-and-so fell off and died and a million dollars was lost here and the IT systems wasn't ready. So they're gonna constantly look at where we are today. They're gonna be present oriented. Going, okay, I'm looking where we're at. You're telling me about the future, but I wanna know how to get from here to there. So build a bridge is a, a, a massive part. That's what the rules of engagement does. And that's what leaders should be thinking like. So Steve, what's, what are your thoughts on that concept? I think one of the things from, you know, my pioneer connect to arrogance was most people assume that nurturers and guardians aren't interested in vision. And we'll bring them the ideas when we've done all the fun, hard work and let them critique it, which really means we're now wedded to it. And therefore any criticism feels like, oh God, you're slowing us down now. So the idea of building a bridge is to say, actually to build the bridge with the nurturers and guardians at the beginning, because if they're able to be part of the visioning process, then they're able to bring their wisdom, their insights at a different stage in the process to where most people invite them. And what we found is they love it. So nurturers and guardians love vision, but they usually would rather go to it slightly slower because they'd really rather know it was safe before they commit the people and the resources to that process. So build the bridges, you know, I, we often say we create vocabulary and language which allows the difficult conversations to happen. So when you're a guardian or a nurturer by first voice, actually being able to say, hey guys, can you build me a bridge? How are we gonna get from where we are now to this vision which I, I'm really drawn to, but at the moment I don't see how we're gonna get there. Can you build me the bridge so I feel confident coming? That kind of code, once the guardians, once the connectors, the creators and the pioneers understand that, their default is like, oh, for goodness sake, surely there's enough detail now. That's the arrogant, dismissive response versus, you know, thank you for asking the question, help me build the bridge for you because you probably see what needs to go into the bridge building more than we do. So a very powerful message, build the bridge, would save a huge amount of time, resource, money and pain um, if leaders and teams actually used it. And, and by the way, you guys, this is all in the Five Voices book. We basically, the Five Voices book, it starts with you personally understanding your voice. We talk about discovering your voice and what it sounds like to be on the other side of you. And there's a big epiphany and big aha for those of you who, who go through that process. But then we go into knowing the voices of your team. We go into rules of engagement. Uh, we talk about um, how, how to share vision, which we'll get to in the next podcast how to actually lead your organization, which is where we're going to. This is on leading a team. Uh, th then we go into the build the bridge specifically, as Steve mentioned. So there's a lot of practical ideas. You're going to get a lot of stories too. So if you haven't picked up the book, it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any of the places that, that sell book, books. Um, but our vision here with Five Voices is to simplify the personality um, side of, of your, your world, understanding your wiring, but don't just leave it there to know how to apply it. 
know actually how your personality affects your team and what does it sound like to be on the other side of you, how to communicate effectively, how to actually lead not only meetings, but lead change and lead vision inside your organization. So that's the um, five voices. And then Steve, tell them about our um, free online assessment and what that looks like. So um, if you go to fivevoices.com, you'll find that we've created a, a little um, free tool that you can use. It basically just asks a number of questions. You get to select whether you strongly agree, strongly disagree, and it will give you a snapshot of basically your voice order right now. So, you know, it's it's just a great thing. If you're thinking of using this content with your team or organization, then everyone very quickly can probably do it in less than five minutes and you'll get a sense of, well, the, you keep talking about pioneers, connectors, creators, guardians, nurturers, what does that mean? How do I know which one's me? So fivevoices.com, just take the free online assessment. Um, it's a great little snapshot of where your voice order is and probably which two voices are the ones that people really hear. So our whole initiative for the Liberator podcast is we're trying to raise up liberators. Liberators is basically a person who fights for the highest possible good in the life of those that they lead. They calibra calibrate high support and high challenge. So that fighting for is something that we're trying to help people understand how to be a, you know, a leader that people want to follow, not have to follow. So really, thanks for joining us on these podcasts. I hope they're helpful. Uh, our intent is to equip and serve. Our intent is to actually call things up in people to be the type of leaders they want to be. And the only way that you do that is you actually have to go all the way to the core of yourself and look at yourself from your IQ, your emotional intelligence, and your personality and put those all together. And that's what we're attempting to do. So any last thoughts from, from London? As the pioneer going last seems particularly appropriate, um, I think just my the pioneer connector voice always sells with menace. So basically I'm saying if you, this is one of the most powerful systems that works. It's simple, you'll be able to use it immediately, everyone in your team will get it. And if you just try it, then you'll be amazed at what happens. I mean, most people look at those rules of engagement, weapon systems, and they go, that makes so much sense. Our passion is take your team to the next level. You won't do it unless you can empower every member of your team to bring their very best. So good luck. Great. Thank you, Steve. As always, so good to be with you. Wish you all the very best. Thanks for your time today. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.